You're listening to the Prayer Storm Podcast. We pray that this teaching blesses you, challenges you, and equips you, leaving you ignited for all that God has for you. Don't forget to check out James Laderin's book, Life on Fire, which is out now. You can find this and more at prayerstorm.org, or you can click the link in the description below. We are not just some random people just doing whatever we want, however we want. We're accountable. <laughs> everything we do is under authority. Even though I'm leading this, we're accountable in everything we're doing. And sometimes they pull us up and say, hey, why did you do that? Okay. You see, if you have someone in your life that no one can correct, be very concerned about that person. Okay. If you're the type of person that no one can pull aside and say, hey, then something is wrong there. Because it doesn't matter how high God takes you, you need to be in a place where people can speak into your life. Ladies, don't get with a man that doesn't have someone in his life that can sit him down and tell him the truth and he's going to listen. Why are you dating him if you can't see any sort of accountability in his life? Oh, I know I've gone deep already, right? (laughs) Why are you dating? If you can't see that, he listens to anyone. So when he goes off and he's being silly, who can you talk to? Because all you knew was just you and him and you just kept yourself to yourselves and okay, we're in love and all that stuff. And no one could speak into your life. Now you're in a mess and you're thinking who's going to help you. Well, you 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 saw no accountability in your life. That was a red flag all along. And the same happens for women too. So it it works in the reverse. So I'm I'm saying that to say we're a ministry that are accountable. Okay, and we believe in accountability. That's why I'm honoring our trustees and our leadership team. I'm helping you to see that we are doing things according to order. Glory follows order. When Moses was going to, no, actually, uh, yeah. When Moses was going to build the temple, he had to first go on the mountaintop, receive God's specific instructions. The dimensions, it had to be exact. And if it wasn't exact, God wasn't going to come down. It had to fit a model. The teaching has already started. It had to fit a model. In the church, we think we can just get up. I get messages on Facebook some people, from people sometimes saying, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm, I've just, oh, God has spoken to me. I'm going to put on a conference and I want to come and speak. It doesn't just work that way. I don't know why it seems like people just get into the church and want to be a superstar. Why, why are you so eager to hold this microphone? Why? Why? Please. If you grab this microphone and God didn't give it to you, it would destroy you. Why are you in a hurry to be famous? Why do you want so many Instagram followers? Fame in and of itself is so destructive. If God did not put you there, don't even want it. There is so much drive right now. You're going, to, oh yeah, I've got this many thousand followers. Oh yeah, this many million followers. So what? So you have all those followers. What is the quality of life you're living that's actually impacting their destiny? Because you know there's a lot of fakery online. You take the best shots. You show them the best bits. And then when we meet you in reality, we realize it was all show but no substance. I've talked to you about things. Yeah, you're you're posting scriptures. You're posting comments. You're doing all these things. But there's not much substance. So God is wanting to build people right. And to do that, he follows order. So, you need to be accountable. You need to look at the place God's placed you and say, Lord, how can my life be under authority? I didn't just end up doing this press something just out of nowhere. You think I just woke up on it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do press them right now. In fact, sometimes I say, I feel God tricked me into this. 
because this was not my plan. Well, I don't even know if I had a plan, but I didn't think I was going to do this. But it was definitely God's idea. So I know his anointing is on me to do this. But I also know it's not about me. And I can see a trend in the body of Christ where people are, you know, with, with this social media age, people are trying to build their own platforms and their own following and their own branding and their own whatever. And even in the name of God, what they're doing is actually they're building their own kingdom. Not his kingdom. Okay. I don't even know why I'm going here, but this is just the intro. When you want to build in any place, you first need to have build a planning permission, right? You get planning permission because the local authorities see your plans and they have to approve it. And when they approve it, only then can you start building. Because what they're saying to you by approving your building structure and the plans that your architect drew up and all that, is they're saying, your building fits into our vision for this whole area. So we are approving you building that now. Do you realize you need planning permission from God to step out to work for him? How many ministries, how many people are standing up in the name of God, building things without his planning permission... We're in the season where he's knocking stuff down. The things he hasn't built, the things he did not inspire, he is going to knock it down because he wants to build his kingdom. And time is running out. Enough of celebrity-driven Christianity. And I'm not trying to say God's not going to raise certain people up. I'm not trying to say God's not going to raise some names and, 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 and put his grace and favor on some people. But it, enough of us trying to chase that. Are you hearing me? Because we can chase that without going through God's process and then end up in a place where we don't have his backing. So we're actually spiritually naked. And I'm telling you, you're in a dangerous place. If you arrived at the position of influence and God didn't put you there. So God is in the business of building people. And he actually, he says, I'll, I'll build my church. But he's the one actually building his kingdom, extending his kingdom through people that are following his orders, his plans, his purposes. So having honored my trustees, having honored people, I'm saying that to say God is in the business of order. And actually, I feel like the Holy Spirit is on that. Because many times we have meetings like this press, and I say to my team, and I don't mean this as as an offensive thing to many of you, but the type of ministry we are and the kind of things we do, we attract weird people. We attract all the prophetic people, and we are prophetic people too. We attract all the flaky people. We attract, eh. and everyone just wants to. And I am, I am all for that. We have big hearts, but we also believe in order. We also believe in submission authority. We also believe in being accountable to your church leader. We have people join our team and say, you know, yes, you know, I want to do this. I want to do this. I, oh, yeah, I've been doing this. So I ask them questions like, well, who have you brought that? Who, who's, have you made that? Have you been accountable to anyone in that vision you're running ahead with? It's like, it's almost like it did not occur to them <laughs> that they needed to make themselves accountable. I don't see how I can be. Why am I on this track? I don't know why. This is not my message, but let me just do this, please. I don't see how I can be part of a local congregation and God put vision on my heart and I just run ahead and do that 
without seeking counsel from the spiritual authority that God has placed over me as the church pastor. And I think, well, you know, we're all children of God. We can do whatever we want. No, no, that's a load of rubbish. That's disorder. Glory does not follow disorder. It follows order. So when God speaks to me about doing something, I go to the people in spiritual authority over my life. Some people have no idea of spiritual authority. You think I can just stand here and start st- standing against the powers of darkness in this region without being under authority? It's a joke. That's why people try to do some of the things we do and they're knocked out by the enemy. Because they have no standing in the spirit. They're just running, doing their own things, no accountability. No one can tell me what to do. You are, sorry, you're a joke. And you will not accomplish anything of significance for God because the spirit realm recognizes authority. Whose authority are you functioning? Yes, I know Jesus has given you authority, but he's also calling you to submit to human authorities, spiritual authorities. And they help you. They guide you. It doesn't mean you're always going to agree. But even when there's disagreement, that's a test of your obedience to God. Oh, I'm going to step on some other two. Some, some of you are just church shifting. You're at this church for two years. And then when you arrive at that church, it's the best thing you've ever experienced. Two years down the line, you're like, oh, what's going on here? You move to the next church. Then you're, oh, this is the best thing you've ever experienced. Three years down the line, you're, you It's a load of, and so we have, we have Christians moving around, but, and sometimes even pastors can fall into the deception to think their churches, uh, the churches are growing. But actually what's happening is Christians are just shuffling churches. And no, there's no real discipleship and people are not getting saved. So people are just shifting because people, once they feel uncomfortable, they move, they, they just move on. Once they feel uncomfortable, they just move on. First off, did God send you there? Do you just go there because the music is nice? Because the preaching is nice? Because the social community is great? The prayer that we pray all the time, Father, let your kingdom come. Do you know the kingdom of God is about God's rule? It's about the government of heaven. So by just doing things however you want, whenever you want, you're showing that you don't have government. Did God send you into that relationship? So you just decided. They look nice. They dress nice. They've got big biceps. I can put my chest in there. I rest my head in there and fall asleep. Oh, they look. Oh, yeah, I love the way they dress. Oh, I love the way they smell. And so you've made decisions based on your intellect. God didn't lead you. Now you got in trouble. You're asking God to get you out. So by the way you're living your life, you're showing you lack government. And when we say let your kingdom come, you cannot disconnect the kingdom from the will of God. So if God has led you to a church, then you're in his will. So don't live there until he leads you out. And if he leads you out, make sure you live with a blessing. Don't live causing havoc. Gossip here, gossip there. Break, you know, tell the pastor did this to me. You tell that person, you tell that person. You post it in coded language on Facebook. 
and then put all kinds of memes on Instagram to kind of, you know, passive aggressive. You know who you're talking to, but you don't want to put names on there. See, this is the rubbish going on in the body of Christ right now. And we want revival. And we can't do relationships right. We're falling out with each other. Just about every simple thing we fall out. Oh, you know, when I came to the church, you looked at me funny. And then that's kept in the mind for three, four months. And then the next time you hear something about them from someone, you're, oh yeah, they always looked at me funny anyway. And then that builds up, that builds up, that builds up. Before you know it, you've built up a stronghold in your mind about that relationship that the enemy comes and lands on with deception. And now that relationship is destroyed because you didn't know how to do relationship right. The Bible says if your brother does something against you, it isn't going to post it on Facebook and go to all your friends. It says go to them. If your brother does something against you, Jesus says in Matthew, when he was even teaching on prayer, he says, when your brother sins against you, you go to your brother. If your sister sins against you, you go to your sister. You don't go to Facebook. You don't go to your friends. The reason why that's so key is if you go to your friends and you don't go to them straight away, by going to your friend, you build up a wrong imagination in your friend's mind about that person. And so you've poisoned their mind. That's the job of the devil. He's the accuser. You've done, you've done the devil's job for him. You're accusing your brother. You haven't even given them a chance. You're accusing, accusing. And then they go and tell the other person, they accuse, they accuse. And then maybe a few weeks later, you get the chance to talk it through. Let's say the relationship gets restored. These other people might not know the details of that restoration. So they now carry that mindset whenever they see that person. Whenever they see that person walk into the church, they're going to think about the conversation you had with them. And that's the enemy's landing strip for deception. The church is not advancing because we are broken the ranks. There is no unity. Joel 2 talks about an army that's walking in battle formation that does not break ranks. See, I'm preaching right now on this platform. You're hearing me. Am I, oh, James, you're preaching powerfully. I guarantee you, if you were to get close to me over the next two weeks or three months and we to start to walk together closely, I guarantee you I'm going to do something that would offend you. Because I'm not perfect. And if you don't believe me, ask Rebecca, my wife right here. Every day she reminds me I'm not perfect. No, she doesn't. She doesn't. The point is, the closer you get to people, the more there's going to be things that's just going to rub off the wrong way. It's just life. It's not even spiritual attack. It's just life. Because I like the toothpaste a certain way in order, but Rebecca just wants to squash it like that. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know whether it's Rebecca or Justice, but as soon as I walk into the bathroom and I see, the, it's not spiritual attack. <laughs> it's just personalities and preferences. So if we don't have a system or way of dealing with personality clashes, then we are creating a space for the enemy to bring about division and nullify our effectiveness. So we lack spiritual authority. And you see, oh, the, 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 this is so important because the church is going to advance through corporate prayer. 
I don't know why I am on this point because this is not what I plan to speak on in all honesty. But I am going to touch on this again. Acts 2, Acts 2 says this. That when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together with one accord in one place. So the context for the greatest, well, I won't say the greatest revival because it was the revival that birthed the church. But I believe the greatest revival we had to see the fullness of this manifestation because this is what the prophet says. The glory of the latter house be greater than the former. Okay, so prophetically speaking, we go from glory to glory. We thank God for the book of Acts, but I believe what God wants to do is going to be greater. So for the birth of the church, it was a corporate meeting. And they had to be all together in one place. So thank God for Zoom and thank God for those of you watching online. But the online church cannot replace (laughs) the in-person togetherness. They were all together in one place. There's a dynamic that cannot translate online. I know the anointing can translate, but there are certain things that can't just translate. You have to be physically there. They were all together in one place and they were in one accord. So they had a revelation of relationships. They had a revelation of order in relationships. Because there's no way the Holy Spirit would have been poured out in the way he did if there was disorder in their alignment with one another. So we are out here wanting God to release his revival, and that's right. But our relationships are out of order. So we don't have the container to carry the weight of what we're praying for. And some of you are sitting right here, and there's unforgiveness built up in your heart. Yeah, you're praying for revival. Caleb, can you get on the keys? I need to use this illustration. I've done this oftentimes, but this would help you to understand why it's so important that relationships are done right. I am big on relationships. Uh, Just get ready. I'll tell you what to play in a sec. I've served in different ministries. I served at the Messy Trust. Everywhere I've served, the churches God has allowed me to be a part of, I have left when God led me out well, left with a blessing, started this ministry on the right foundation. You know people leave things with offense and then they start something with that poison? So everyone else that comes on in that ministry is exposed to the poison. Oh, you left. Oh, you're saying God, you're you left because you were uh, wounded in a really bad way, but you never got healed. And then you just jumped up and you're starting something else. What kind of spirit are you going to release? Because I've traveled enough to realize whatever the senior leader of the, of the ministry of the church carries, I just find it all over the people, especially those closest to him. So if you're carrying that bitterness, you don't have to teach it. They are going to carry it too. Because the anointing flows from the head down. Whatever is on the head flows down. So I have done things in order. So don't just look at me doing this, oh yeah, Lord, I want to do that too. I want to, no, no, don't even want to do it. Uh, you know, Moses, Moses was so eager for God to use him. As in, he, he was so enthusiastic. <laughs> he went ahead and killed someone in, in the desire to just do something. And you know, that desire was actually of God was going to use him as a deliverer. Because it, it was good. In, but God wasn't going to use Moses until God had taken Moses through the process. At that point, Moses had not been through God's process. He had enthusiasm. He had a stirring. Like many of you, you have a say, you want to do something amazing for God, but you're not allowing God to process you. And so you end up like Abraham, birthing an Ishmael. 
which is not God's will. As God's will is Isaac. But because you're running your own strength and you just want to push this thing out, get your branding all sorted. Now, I'm not against writing the vision, making it plain and all these things. I'm not against these practical things. But parents say, you have to follow God's order too. Moses was so eager. He did that. And then obviously, you know the story. And if you don't know the story, go and read it. I'm not going to go into it. He gets in trouble after killing this person and he runs away. It's 40 years. Everyone say 40 years. That was 40 years of processing. How do I know it was processing? When God now came to him and said to Moses, I am going to send you to do the very thing you were so eager to do back then. You know, Moses says, not me. Because <laughs> the, ambi- the process had killed the ambition so much, God now resurrected it and gave it back to him. That's the whole concept of... Uh, 1224, John 1224, unless a grain of wheat dies. Are you with me? So, Acts 2, the apostles are all together and the believers in a room. And this is the context that we need to learn some things for, for revival. See, this meeting is called Revival Nights because we want to see God move. And I believe one of the things we want to see God do It's really salvation, breakthrough. And the model we see in scripture is the corporate prayer meeting, the corporate body gathering together is one of the most potent structures that God has created for us as the body of Christ to advance his agenda. So the enemy is going to try to weaken our corporate ranking. Are you tracking with me? Before we get to the keyboard illustration, you got to understand for us to accomplish certain spiritual exploits in a region, we have to have a kind of corporate ranking in the spirit. Am I, I know Lorraine might be getting me. I don't know if I'm making sense to the rest of the people in here. Am I speaking Spanish? Corporate ranking, what I mean by that is there are certain prayers we pray that won't have as much power and would not cause enough shift in the spiritual atmosphere over the region because we haven't achieved a corporate ranking for the demons to take us seriously you know that scripture we quote often um the weapons of our warfare are not countable they're mighty through god for the pulling down of strongholds if you read it on it says i think there's a verse right there that says about uh punishing every disobedience after our obedience is complete. So we cannot rebuke the devil and have authority if there's areas of our lives where there is disobedience to God's authority. You cannot punish the enemy's disobedience if your obedience is incomplete. So when we gather together corporately and we want to pray for God's move, the enemy is not just listening to how loud we, sh- we shout. He's looking for certain things in the spirit, frequencies he's scanning for. And when we tap into those frequencies in the spirit, he, he knows that it's game over for him. When we tap into those frequencies on a consistent basis, not just once, he knows it's game over. So what he's going to try to do, he's going to try to limit us from tapping into those frequencies that actually shatter his works in the region. Are you, are you tracking with me? Yes. 
And I'm saying all that to say, the fact that 10,000 Christians gather does not mean in the vast numbers of the people gathering, there's equivalent authority to shift the spiritual realm over that region. 50,000 Christians gathering does not mean the enemy is now trembling in his boots. If it's 50,000 Christians who are living in disobedience and living in compromise and yet crying out for God's authority, they're, living, they're not living under God's government. Yet they want his government to come in the nation. Isn't there something Matt said about, you know, evangelists kind of coming on the platform and calling people to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He will change your life. Yet the evangelist doesn't like spending time with Jesus. So you're a salesman for a gospel you don't really believe. Because we can tell that you don't spend time with the person you're shouting about. It seems to me like you're doing this evangelist thing as a job. Or maybe it's just to get some trending with some Christians on social media. Or why are you doing it? Because if you're really on, on fire for Jesus, no one has to beg you to pray. No one, has to, no one has to try to wind you up. You want Jesus. That's why you're going to be an effective evangelist because you're falling in love with him. But I wonder whether some of our evangelists, I don't know why I'm on the evangelist tonight. I wonder whether some of our evangelists are falling in love with the model, with the crowds, with the opportunities and have not truly gone deep in love with Jesus. Because as we begin to step out, when you love something, you talk about it. Very easy. Like if you were to come up to me and talk about cameras, I will talk about cameras all day. Because I love cameras. I'm a cameraman. So... When you talk about something I like, we are going to talk a lot because I enjoy it. When people come around you, have you got much to say about Jesus? Or are you hiding the fact that you're actually a Christian? You show up in, at work on Monday and they ask you, where were you this weekend? Going to try to, oh, I went to an, a, a, an event. <laughs> Why do you have to try to I went to prayer storm. And they're like, what is prayer storm? You're like, thank you, Lord. Why should you hide your life? They don't hide their life. You ask them, how was your weekend? Oh, I went to the club. I got drunk. I slept around. I, I was wasted. And they tell you everything so easily and you're so scared. When you're in love with something, you talk about it. Even if people are like, oh, what's up with you? You talk about it because... You're, you're not intimidated. Was it Raymond that says, the man who is intimate with God will not be intimidated by man. Yeah. It's time for us to rise, church. God is wanting to restore order to his people. Right. Order. Everyone say order. order. We want revival, but God wants to bring order to our churches. Yes. Some of our leaders, and this, it's, it feels like God is just releasing some arrows through me to just certain people and it's not that I, I've come up here with a certain agenda or certain hatred or frustration anyone but I feel like God is speaking to people listening and those online and those that watch this some of our leaders have got carried away with the ability to put these lights on and put the stage set and get the smoking machine going and get in some of our I've got carried away with all these things that they're not investing equal amounts of energy in spiritual things Pastor or leader, you know how much energy it took you to organize that meeting? If you would invest the same meeting in organizing your prayer life, there will be a revival in your church. Pastor, 
If you're more concerned about preaching than praying, you're playing. Prophet, if you're more concerned about prophesying than praying and intercession, it's a sign that you are deceived. Because all the prophets of God that I know of were first and foremost intercessors. It's a sign that pastor, prophet, evangelist, if you're more involved with the activity of serving God than being with God himself, or you only spend time with God because you want to get a message to preach, it's a sign you've lost your way. You've, you've not realized that the biggest platform you would ever have is the secret place. It's not how big your church is. It's not how big the opportunities are. It's great. So if prophet, you're being deceived by all these opportunities and you think because you have the gift of prophecy and God is moving through you and you think that the intercession thing, you need to hire someone else, you're on a path of deception and would eventually collide with a demon and call it prophecy. Because the Spirit of God is not going to stay there too long. The spirit of God I know, according to Romans 8, 26, he is a spirit of intercession. So how can you tell me you're carrying that spirit and not emulating the life of that spirit? When Jesus himself is an intercessor, the Holy Spirit is an intercessor. Two thirds of the God are intercede. And you tell me you want to preach more than you want to pray? You want to prophesy more than you want to intercede? You're on the path of deception. And this is what's destroying the body of Christ. Because people are coming to your meetings, falling in love with your giftings. But not falling in love with the God who gave the gift. So now you're building your own kingdom and not his kingdom. You're building your own kingdom. And this is the time where God is wanting to break some things down and bring order to the body of Christ. Yes, we want revival. You see, it's so cheap to say these things. But when the rubber hits the road, then you know that it's not so cheap to say. Because when God holds you to account for the prayers you've been praying, you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize it was going to mean this. Yes, That's why sometimes you need to be careful before you pray some things. However, God is serious about building His church. I didn't come up here pre-planning to say all these things I'm saying right now. But I believe God is wanting to bring order to the body of Christ. From the leaders to us who are, you know... In a sense, we're all leaders. But I'm talking about the fivefold ministry. And then us who are the saints being equipped to do the work of ministry. God wants to bring order from you learning to submit to authority to the leaders having the right priorities. Priorities. God wants to raise up people of prayer. People of intercession. Pastor, prophet, evangelist. If the ministry of prayer and intercession is not the core of your activities, you're building people into the past. Not God's future. Because you're not equipping them to have the spiritual infrastructure to carry the burdens of heaven and birth it in the earth. Because you yourself don't have it. So now your focus has shifted to all these external things. How many views and how many followers? And we're just doing exactly the same as the world. You can have one million hits. It doesn't mean one million people have been impacted with the gospel. Oh, or they might be impacted with a version of the gospel that makes their flesh comfortable. 
So we birth lukewarm Christians. You see, you gotta, you, sometimes you need to just take a step back and examine the body of Christ. Many of us come to church and people will look at what we're doing here at Preston. Mean, you guys are crazy. You're so on fire. This is normal. Yes. You know, you're being African. All of us shouting, it's not African, it's kingdom. Why do I say that? Read your Bible, Acts 4. Acts 4, the church was in trouble. And the apostles went back to the congregation and they reported the fact that they've been threatened not to preach in the name of Jesus. This is what the Bible says. When they got together, it says, they, everyone said they. They. Lifted their voices. That was not a quiet meeting. The Bible says they. It didn't say they whispered. They lifted. How can you tell me that's an African thing? Or, or a Korean church prayer thing. It's a kingdom thing. Yes. Now, when I come to a prayer meeting, I say to people, I have my quiet time at home. I come to the prayer meeting to release my voice. This is not where you have your quiet time. God is not nervous because we're loud. And I'm not trying to say you have to be loud to be effective either. Because... You know, there are times I'm not loud. There are times I have quiet time of being still. Don't get me wrong. I believe in stillness and silence and contemplative prayer. But in the Western British church, because that's where I'm based right now, they need, they need to be stirred a lot more to let the lion within them roar. Because many of them are, are lions that are just tame. Their teeth has been knocked out by circumstances and political correctness. So there is no roar within them. We say, let's pray, they're quiet. But at the football game, they're shouting. We say, let's pray, they're quiet. But when they're chatting with their friends about cars, they're so animated. We say, let's pray, they're quiet. But when they're chatting about their favorite football player, there's such a passion in their voice. But when we say, let's pray, it's like a dead rat. (laughs) You don't want to be around. It's an embarrassment to God to come to your prayer meeting because it's so dead. Because you're so dead. That's why you need revival. Because there's death in you and you need to be revived from the inside. How can you tell me this is the Christianity Jesus died for? How can you tell me that? He died for something where people gave everything. Look at the early church. They weren't doing this half-hearted. They were ready to die for it. If we're not ready to die for it, what kind of prayer are we praying here? Oh God, send your revival. And someone comes in with a gun and says, all the Christians stay in. And all the non-Christians get out. Are you ready to die? If you're not ready to die for it, maybe that's why you're not living for it. This is all in. When we say revival, we say we're all in. God, I want to come under your government, my relationships. The way I submit to authority. I know I'm gifted, but I want to go through your process. I want to do things right. Things have to be done in order. I've not forgotten you, Caleb. Can you play the C chord for me, please? Just the basic C chord, C, E, G. Earlier when I was talking about how the enemy is destroying relationships, how the enemy is trying to dismantle our ability as the church to have a very high corporate ranking such that we can shift the atmosphere over the region. And I made this point, I want to emphasize it. The fact that there's a large number of people gathering does not mean there's equal amount of spiritual authority and weight in the spirit. There are lots of factors that determine that ranking. One of it is what I'm about to talk about right now. They were in one accord. Everyone say one accord. 
What he's playing right there on the keyboard is a chord. And you don't have to be a musician to understand this. It's very simple. A chord is made up of more than one note, basically. Uh, and so in that chord he's playing, you've got three notes. Everyone say three notes. The C note, the E note, and the G note. Can you take out the pad and just have just the piano? So he's got, and play the chord again. So that's the note. Now that sounds good. You, you, you've got harmony in that sound because the E note is rightly aligned to the C note. And the G note is rightly aligned to the E note. Are you tracking with me? So when he plays that, each note is, uh, has its unique identity. But he's not intimidated by the other note's difference. So each note is not trying to sound like the other one. Each note is trying to sound like itself. And so when he plays those three notes and you hear that harmony, that harmony is a picture of true agreement. Because each note is releasing its frequency with confidence in alignment to the other notes. It's going to, the C note is not praying and saying, Lord, why don't I sound like the G note? Lord, why didn't you give me that kind of frequency you gave the G note? The C note is not intimidated because the C note has a revelation of identity. And because it has a revelation of identity, there is now secure security. And therefore, there can be real unity. Because each note has a revelation of its... Are you tracking with me? So when we come together as a body of Christ to pray or to worship... Real agreement sounds like that to heaven. Play that again. There is harmony. So the prayers leave your mouth as words, but they arrive heaven as incense. So when there's harmony, the incense is potent. And the demons tremble because of the oneness and the connectedness. So because the enemy knows the power in the one accord and the unity... He introduces something else to bring a discordant sound. So now can you just play something like, like a C and a C sharp and an E or something that just, you know. No, no, that sounds too nice. That's not what, that's what I'm after. Don't do anything complicated, Caleb. <laughs> I know you're a good keyboard player. How does that sound to you? Play that. So that's C, C sharp, and E, right? Play that with the G as well. C, C sharp, E, and the G. Okay. It sounds, if you listen to that just by itself, it's like something is unresolved. <laughs> something sounds a bit off. And that sound is discordant. Because now, there is another frequency that has been introduced. See, that frequency that's introduced, that's producing the discordance now, is what the enemy does when he comes and he brings disruptions in your relationships and offenses. Because now that offense has come in, you don't know it, but you've shifted from C to C sharp. <laughs> are, are you hearing me today? <laughs> so you think you're still functioning as C, but you've shifted frequency because now offense has got in. And so the pastor comes and says, let's have a prayer meeting. 
And guess what? There's offense in you. And you'll say, oh, Father, we agree for salvation. You're not in agreement. There's zero. The fact that you're all saying we agree does not mean there's agreement. Because real agreement means my heart is okay with your heart. Your heart is okay with mine. But what happens in the church is you're coming to worship. You're lifting your hands up there while you're looking with your side at the person in the back of the church that did something you heard of that you were disgusted by. And the other person over here is worshiping, but they're struggling with jealousy uh, because the other person over there, God's blessed them with a child and they've been praying for many years and now they're just struggling to worship. But the other person over here is worshiping as well and they're looking at the girl at the back of the church that they know has been single for five years, who's just found a husband and now they're struggling with the envy. And this other person over here is worshiping, but they remember the pastor said something to them last week that they haven't got over, but they never have the courage to talk to him about it. So they're holding that grievous thing in the house and that person over there is worshiping, but they heard from the other person about something the pastor said some years ago and they're still wondering, is this pastor the real deal? And so, and so we're all together. Do you, do you realize how much of a chaos that looks like to heaven, from heaven's perspective? Because all our hearts are releasing all kinds of weird frequencies and we're speaking all the right words. See, when you pray, it's not just your words. Your heart has a sound. And your words have a sound. So that's why David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be accepted. So the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart need to fuse together to, to a place where there's authenticity and heaven receives it. Today, we live in a church where there's so much confusion, competition, jealousies and I know pastor you know or preacher God has anointed you and you got a huge following on Facebook but have you ever considered that maybe a lot of that stuff you're wanting people to see your success in quotes because you're wanting to prove yourself do you realize we can serve God with a hidden heart to prove ourselves to the last pastor that told us we weren't going to make it so your service is contaminated because the foundation of that service is to prove yourself. And everyone is going to clap for you and go, anointed woman, anointed man of God. Oh, you're so powerful. But the whole, the whole thing driving your activity is insecurity. So when God tests your work on the final day of judgment, you see, he says his eyes are like eyes of fire, right? And then in Corinthians, he says, our works are going to be tested by fire. In other words, when he tests your work, if your work does not fit into his perspective, his fiery gaze, it's burnt up. And his perspective, actually, it, there is a lot more order to his perspective than many of us realize. He wants order in our lives. And in all honesty, I plan to preach on something slightly different. He wants order in our lives because of the revival we're crying out for. It cannot be a repetition of what's happened before. Where God starts to move and the church down the road gets jealous of this one. And, you know, people start falling out. Friendship groups, they start breaking up because this one is now having more followers than him. And they're reacting out of insecurities, jealousies, but they're not actually man enough to actually admit that they're envious, but they just cover it up with spiritual language. I, there's okay. God does not want a repeat of that. Maybe that's why there's been a delay for the things we're crying out for because many of us are not submitting to his process. And so he wants to take us deep. 
He wants us to go deeper in Him, so deep that all those things cannot go that deep. You know, when you go deep, some things can't follow you. So if right here you're struggling with lust, you're struggling with jealousy, you're struggling with envy, go deeper. Because those things will not be able to follow you. You know, I don't know much about the ocean, but from my understanding, it's quite difficult to go down there because the pressure is so different. So there's some things that cannot exist down there that would exist at the surface. And you know, last night I had a dream. Because I went last night, you know, I fell asleep thinking about scripture. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to be, sound like I'm spiritual. It's not every time I fell asleep thinking about scripture, by the way. <laughs> Just want to say that. Because people hear the wrong things. Oh, you're always spiritual. They see your Tesco and they're like, oh, why are you not fasting today? I am not always fasting. <laughs> I am real. You know, if you saw my son there, you know, I was telling him off as we're worshiping, don't do that. So we're real people. We're authentic, real people. So thinking about scripture, my wife asked me about that and, uh, I, and I just said something and, I, you know, I fell asleep and I guess part of my mind was thinking about tonight. Uh, I didn't really know what the Lord wanted him to speak on and I was just meditating and I fell asleep and I had a dream and in the dream, I was speaking to Matt about uh, Psalms 42 and in Psalms 42, he says, deep calls unto deep. And I was just having that conversation. So I woke up and that was what was in my mind. I'm like, well, maybe Lord, maybe that's what you want to talk about. I was like, well, Lord, I don't even know how I'm going to get there, but I've got there. (laughs) (laughs) There's some things that will not follow you when you go deep. So the reason why you're struggling with offense, the reason why, or let me say, one of the reasons why you're struggling with lust and you're still battling with all these emotions you know are demonic, it's because you haven't gone deep enough. You're still in shallow waters. Psalms 42, it says, deep calls unto deep. In other words, the deep things in the heart of God are calling to deep things in your heart. But for you to respond, you have to go deep. If Deep is calling unto deep. Shallow is also calling unto shallow. And I've been around long enough to see many Christians that can worship, can jump up and down, can shout. But when we start to spend time with them, find out how they live their lives, find out the kind of routine they're in, and find the kind of lifestyle they subscribe to, you just realize it's so shallow. They watch the same things. They, they watch the same filthy programs on TV and still defend it. There's no scripture that says I shouldn't watch this. The fact that you're... <laughs> when, when the law of God is written on your heart, it starts to affect your desires. So there are things that are just not going to be okay. Now, I understand that there are things that God can call us as individuals to that can be quite unique. But then there's some just basic standards like holiness. When I say holiness, there are different dimensions to that. However, I'm talking about just, let's talk about immorality and filth and blasphemy and all these things that are so common in our culture, but many of us just take as okay for us to just use as entertainment for ourselves and think the Holy Spirit is okay with that. The shallow has been calling you. All that stuff 
is shallow. Everyone say shallow. All the stuff I talked about, all the offense and backbiting and lack of order, all that stuff is in the shallow. It's been calling to you and you've been responding. And because you're responding, it shows that you're not ready to go deep in God. Because when you're ready to go deep in God, no one is going to have to preach this message I'm preaching to you. By default, these things begin to fall. Where are the days where people get saved and you don't have to tell them to stop sleeping around? Where are the days where people get saved and they actually stop listening to certain music without necessarily hearing the pastor saying about it? Where are the days where people get saved and all of a sudden, the way they even dress change? Not because the pastor said it, but the spirit within them starts to give them direction. You can't do that anymore. They get saved and they're like, because it's so rampant in the culture, disorder, like, well, I guess it's just the way it is everywhere. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to preach a legalistic kind of everyone do this. And if you notice, I'm not kind of naming things and saying, you know, dress like this and don't do this. Because I think it can get very legalistic. But that's not the point. We live under the government of heaven. And what his government dictates is how we live. So I'm going to round up now because I've gone on for some time. Caleb, do you want to just play from in the background, please? The Lord wants us to be Christians that are living from the deep place. I'm tired of shallow. I think it was Mr. Edwards that in one of, her, one of the lines of her songs, she says, yesterday's depths is today's shallow. Is that it, Rebecca? Yesterday's depth is today's shallow. Have I said that right? I've said that right. Yeah. Yesterday's depth is today's shallow. So there's a journey to go deeper. There's a journey to dig deeper in the presence of God. And when you begin to dig deep, when you get to those deep places, the deep waters in the Spirit, your preaching is not going to cut it. In fact, as amazing as your voice is, it's not going to cut it. Because there are depths of the presence of God that go beyond any of your natural giftings. Matt said this yesterday. is a quote from Lewengel. I've said this over the years as well. Until we stand in a place where we have met God, we don't have the authority to change a nation. Many Christians are not meeting God anymore. They're just meeting famous preachers. They're meeting great communicators. Listen to the... Listen. you got to pay attention to what you're listening to. The diet, the spiritual diet of what I perceive to be about 80% of the Western church. The spiritual diet of what I am seeing, even on social media, oftentimes is very me-focused catering to just your comfort catering to just everything about you just feeling good and and God don't get me wrong God wants to bless you I do agree with that but if that's your whole diet you're having an unbalanced diet because these kind of messages are also part of the diet that God wants you you know you know you talk about eating vegetables and kids don't like broccoli I'm sure our kids like broccoli right it's just me and Rebecca says that doesn't like broccoli but you have to eat those things that may feel not nice to the taste, but actually good for your development. And God is wanting you to go deeper. 
So he's introducing some of this into your diet right now because you've come here tonight and that tells me you want revival. So how about we be real with ourselves and say, Father, there's been disorder. There's been a wrong alignment. We have not been people of prayer. We have been distracted so easily. And then this year we're saying, Father, we want order. Some of you are going to leave this place and go and apologize to your pastor. I'm sorry I've been talking bad behind your back. Do you know some of you are making pastoring difficult? Some of you are so difficult to pastor. Because you just run your mouth. You just do whatever you want to do. No order. Some of you need to leave this man and go and say, Pastor, I'm sorry because I've been living a life of disorder. And you come to prayer storm, you see how we're praying effectively. Don't go back to your children and say, you guys don't know how to pray. You're all jokers. No, don't do that. God wants you in that church to be a fire starter. Go to your pastor. Pastor, how can I help the prayer culture in this church? Oh, is there an early prayer meeting before the service? Oh, there's none. Lord, pastor, how can I start an early prayer meeting before service? If we start service at 10, I'll come at 9. And we're going to pray. And maybe announce to the church, anyone that wants to pray, let him come. I guarantee you the pastor will be, will be cheering you on. And like, pastor, what is the Lord placed on your heart for this community? Oh, how about we start a weekly prayer meeting and we're just praying to the vision God has given you. You tell me a pastor will not support you in that? Some of you need to go and start to submit to authority because you want to do all these grand things for God, but there's disorder in your life. And God is not going to bless you even though you're anointed. Sorry, even though you're gifted, God is not going to bless the works of your hands. He's not sending you. You're sending yourself. You've watched too many celebrity preachers and I've got some stuff in your head about what ministry is and it's all a lie and God is saying, submit and I'll raise you up. In fact, I might not raise you up because God, you see, He called the disciples to Himself. In Matthew, I believe, He called the disciples to Himself that they might be with Him. And then He then sent them out. So the first calling that he they had for the disciples that was at first that they might be with him and then that he might send them out. So the sending them, those disciples out, was conditional. There's some people Jesus calls and he says, you're going to stay. I'm not, you're not going to preach on a platform. You're going to stay in your room and pray. You don't believe me? Ask Anna. Ask Simeon. They were called and they served God without a platform. Some of you need to go home and repent to relationships, uh, to repent to people that you have offended. You know you've offended, things have not been right. Call them and say, hey, can we just talk this through and let's bring some order here. Get rid of unforgiveness. You want revival? Get rid of unforgiveness. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of offense and say, Lord, take me wherever you want. Slay the flesh in me. I want your order. Can I get the band coming up right now? We're going to prepare the way. We'll prepare the way to go deep. We're not here to just do the church stuff. Guys, I am tired of just going to services and we just, we just regurgitate messages and we just entertain the saints and the church has become a nursery. 
where babies have been fed, but not the barracks where warriors have been bred. I am tired of just going through the motions. God is wanting to raise up an end time army. Time is running out. People are dying. Right now, many people, boom, in that second have just died without Jesus. He wants to raise up a church that's moving in power signs and wonders that we would that he would confirm the word with signs as we go out as evangelists to release his word it's not a one-man show gone are the days of a one-man show entertainment driven Christianity we have some of the greatest communicators on the planet right now think about it some of the greatest preachers go on YouTube they're all there and I'm not criticizing them, but I'm saying with all our great communication gifting, we haven't seen the great revival that we know we're supposed to see. Why? Because many of us in the church are distracted by giftings. The giftings have become our idol. But we've not fallen in love with Jesus himself. When you fall in love with Jesus, you're going to come to church. You don't care how long the service is. You don't even care if the pastor is preaching the most amazing message or not. You just want Him. Where is the hunger, people of God? Where is the church of revival? That is not driven by personalities and views on Facebook and Instagram following. Where is the church that will carry the end time revival? Where is the church that will go deep in God and that will usher in the greatest move of God, the United Kingdom of heaven sin? Where is that church? That church is here. And God wants us to break free. Break free of the lies that we have believed. Now serving God in ministry is going to be glamorous. And we're going to have nice Instagram pictures with famous people and get lots of likes and nice comments. When Jesus himself was hated, was in love. I'm not trying to say that that's going to be a badge of honor if we are hated. But the point of prayer says we don't preach for the approval of man. We don't preach to get likes on Facebook. We preach the pure gospel. We're not popularity driven. We're kingdom driven. We want to be a voice in the heavens. No celebrities on the earth. We want to shake the system. We want to, we want to be a counter-cultural resistance to the moral decline of this day. We want to dance the beat of a different drum. We want to be a whole new generation, a whole new army that will usher in the revival of heaven. We will prepare the way of the Lord. There is no other way, church. We prepare the way, we prepare the way. We say, Father, come again. Come again to your church, Jesus. We're saying in this revival night, let your order be restored. Let your order be restored right here, right now. We hope you enjoyed this prayer storm podcast. For more content, find us on Instagram at prayerstorm, all one word, and on YouTube. Press on TV.